definitely no formula, definitely no way to calculate it. That's that's too one size fits all for me. Um, everybody's going to be different. Diz Runs Radio episode 537 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 it is officially that time again. Time for another uh, listener Q&A episode of the show where the format is really simple. You ask and I answer. Uh, And hopefully, with a little bit of luck, the answers are actually useful. Uh, But before we do that, just want to uh, give a quick shout out today to uh, the sponsor of this episode, Health IQ. Um, We've talked about Health IQ before. If if you're new to the show, maybe this is your first time hearing about it though. And if you've you've heard about it before, here's a, a little reminder that if you find yourself in need of some additional life insurance. If you kind of, you know, as, as tax time is uh, rolling around, at least here in, in the States, it's, it's uh, almost upon us. I mean, it is upon us. The deadline is, is uh, coming quick. Um, you know, and that's a good time to kind of do a financial audit of where you are with, uh, with, with everything, money and insurance and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, if, if you're looking at things going, wow, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it's time to get a little extra life insurance there just, just in case something were to happen. Um, Health IQ is the place to go because what they do is they work with life insurance companies to make sure that those of us who are active and health conscious and, and doing things to try to be healthier, aka running, um, that we can get better rates on our life insurance premium. So uh, head over to healthiq.com slash disruns and check out the information there. Um, put in your information and, and see what kind of quotes you can get um, and pretty much can guarantee that they're the best rates that you're going to be able to find. So uh, healthiq.com slash disruns. So uh, again, today we're talking Q&A, um, the end of the month, kind of the monthly uh, Q&A and, and uh, um, got, a, got a good little list of questions today. Not a super long list, so this may not be the longest Q&A episode ever, but uh, we also know that I like to uh, ramble a little bit on occasion which means that this could uh, this could extend out towards that hour mark, but I, I have I have faith, I have confidence in myself that we're going to keep this uh, short and sweet and nice and tight today. Uh, hopefully, a lot of of somewhat useful information, um, answering some very good questions today. So, without any further ado, we'll dive right in. Um, and the first one is definitely actually the first couple are definitely fun ones. Uh, coming from Stephanie, she asks. Uh, what is your go-to meal after a big race, like a marathon or even a half? Mine is a big fat cheeseburger. Uh, yeah, Stephanie, I, I think I think I'm right on uh, pretty much on the same wavelength with you. Um, although I will say that after after a good race, if I'm if I'm really pushing myself, and, and really the distance doesn't matter that much, um, if I really push myself, I don't have much of an appetite when I finish my race. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll have something to drink. You know, maybe. Uh, um, some juice or, you know, some type of, of something sweet. I usually kind of have a little bit of a hankering for something kind of sweet. Chocolate milk is always a, a, a favorite. Really any, any milk is pretty much always a favorite of mine anytime, uh, no matter what, after a run, before a run, whatever. Uh, I, I am a, uh, 
definitely uh, part cow. I think. Well, I guess cows make milk, so I'm not part cow. I'm part uh, consumer of uh, whatever I'm trying to say. I'll drink milk all day, is what I'm trying to say. So uh, you know, chocolate milk, white milk, whatever. Um, but give it, give it a couple hours. Give, give myself, I mean, my body a chance to cool down a little bit, the blood to get back to circulating to all over the body, as opposed to being focused primarily on the legs. And yeah, give me, give me a good, greasy, big cheeseburger. Yeah, that would be good. Maybe some sweet potato fries. Yep, that would be that would be my uh, my preference. But uh, you know, and again, kind of like the milk thing, I could eat a hamburger just about any time, anywhere, um, any situation. Uh, that's that's comfort food to me. So um, after a race, yeah, I'll turn to the comfort food. Give me give me that give me that cheeseburger. Give me that that big, thick, greasy, juicy burger. Bada boom, bada bam. Uh, a, a job well done. Uh, next question comes from Chris. Um, and if you haven't been following the, the emails and whatnot of late of mine, this may not make as much sense, but I, I'm a pretty big curling fan, especially during the Olympics. And so Chris asked a, a very, a very curling question. Uh, he said, if, if you had the hammer and nothing on the house uh, on the last shot, do you go for the sure one or blank the end and keep the hammer? I feel like that's the most, you know, simplest answer ever. At least if you're a good curler, you blank the end and, and keep the hammer for the next round. Um, if you're terrible, which I'm sure I would be, I've never tried curling before. Um, as, as much as it looks like it's something anybody can do when you're watching it on the Olympics, guaranteed it's, it's a billion times harder than it looks to, to control that stone within inches of where you want it to be. Um, so I guess if, if I, you know, if, if it was me and, and a bunch of buddies that were, were playing, you know, we're, we're trying a round of curling and, and, um, every point would be valuable. So at that point, I guess I would, I would try to, uh, to get the point. Um, just because you know, pretty good chance that that match would go down one to nothing um, when all is said and done. So getting that getting that point, if possible, would be uh, would be worth it. But if you're good, there's no question. Blank the end, move on. Uh, next, just which is what I'm doing with that question. Blank it, move on. <laughs> uh, next one comes from Hilda. She's got actually a couple of of questions all, all lumped into one. Um, but I'm going to answer the first part first, and then I'll, I'll go on to the, the next couple of questions that are much more uh, related to each other. Do expensive running socks really make a difference? No. Um, they're nice. They're comfortable. I've gotten I've gotten several from various points from um, people sending them to me or races or things like that where, where you get a, a free pair of socks. Um, and they're almost always the nice ones, you know, whether they're, they're in Gingy or, um, the Swift Wicks or whatever. And I've got some of the toe socks. I've got some of the, the nice dry fit, you know, just regular socks. Um, and I love them. They're great. I, I really enjoy them, but I would really, really struggle. I, I, I don't know that I could justify kind of like when I, when I talked to the cheap athlete a while back, I, I don't know that I could justify spending $10 or $12 for a pair when I could get a three pack of, um, dry fit socks from target for the same price. And, uh, if you remember cheap athlete, he'll get a six pack of cotton socks for, for the same price and, and be even farther ahead. I do like the dry fit a little bit better than, than the, the plain cotton socks, but, uh, the really fancy specific to runners ones, man, um, I, I, I struggle to, to say that they're worth it. Um, they're nice, they're good, but I don't know that they're that much, you know, that they're worth twice or three times, you know, the, the cost of, of regular, you know, dry fit target type of socks. Um, so, you know, to each your own, if you like having fancy socks, get the fancy socks. That's great. But, uh, not, not really my thing. Compression socks, on the other hand, great for recovery. So kind of a bit more worth 
spending the money on, but just for regular socks to wear when you're running, yeah, not so much. Um, and the next, the next part of Hilda's question, or the next couple of, of questions that are, are related, I always fast for my long runs, um, or yeah, if, sorry, missed a, a key word there. If I always fast for my long runs, do I also fast on race day? When do I practice eating breakfast? So, um, and she says, I'm apprehensive to not eat breakfast on race day. Um, I, I am definitely a fan of, of fasting, you know, doing most of my runs fasted, um, simply, simply for the most part, for the logistical standpoint of the fact that if I'm running at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, something like that, um, which most of the year that's, that's what I end up doing. There's just not, it doesn't make sense to me to get up an extra hour early to, to have breakfast before I go run. So I'll go run fasted. Um, and actually right now, and it's going to kind of tease into a question a little bit later, but I don't even eat breakfast until about three o'clock in the afternoon most days. So, um, most everything I do is in a fasted state. Um, so, so I don't have a problem with doing that for your long runs. Um, but then what I do on race day is I try to tilt the, the deck in my favor a little bit. So my body is used to running on, on low fuel, using fat for fuel, things like that when it comes to my training runs. On race day, I'll make sure to have some breakfast. I'll make sure to, to have a couple of eggs, extra coffee, maybe some potatoes, depending on, on how big of a race I'm doing and you know, what the distance is. So I, you know, I really try to stack my deck or stack the cards in my, in, in my favor, stack the deck in my favor, I guess is what I'm trying to say, on race day by eating something that I know sits well for me, I know has worked well for me in the past. So uh, all that to say, Hilda, if, if you're going, you know, if you're a little bit apprehensive about not eating on, on race day, I get it. And especially if your race starts a little bit later in the day, um, like I know that you're training for Boston right now and that, you know, isn't going to start until 10 or 11 o'clock, something like that. You're definitely going to probably want to eat something that morning. Um, something small probably, but, but something that, that's going to give you a little bit of extra fuel because you're not running until so much later than what you would normally do if you just got up and went for a run. Um, but, but as far as practicing it goes, you know, you, I would start practicing if, if you're, if you're really apprehensive and you really want to maybe eat a little something, start practicing it in your long runs ASAP until you find something that, that seems to work well for you. Um, you know, knowing you and working with you, you know, and knowing that, uh, you're, you're on the, uh, the high fat, low carb, uh, bandwagon, like I am, you know, maybe, maybe try a couple of, try a hard boiled egg and see how that sits. You know, you're giving yourself some good fats and proteins, very little, if any carbs, um, you know, have that, and then try to hit, hit your run 20 minutes later and see if that, if that helps, if that sits on your stomach, but it's going to be a big trial and error process. It's going to be something where you got to try a few things and see how it goes. And, and, and also, you know, what I was, what I would encourage you and anyone else to do, if you're looking at, at what kind of things to eat before your, your race, long run, whatever, whether you're high fat or not, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, but think about things that you can have with you on race day. So not every race is going to be left out of your house, meaning that you're not going to be able to have your, your full kitchen, normal, normal supplies, things like that. So start working on some things that you can get at a hotel or get, um, you know, nearby when you're, when you're traveling for a race. So hard boiled eggs are great because a lot of, um, you know, restaurants will have those or a lot of grocery stores will have those. Um, hotels may even have those at continental breakfast. A lot of times they'll have them. So that's, that's the kind of thing that you can be a little bit more comfortable and knowing that it'll work. Um, or, you know, looking for things that you can get from like a Denny's or an IHOP, things like that. So that if you are somewhere else where you can't cook, you can at least go to a restaurant that you know will serve 
which for me is always breakfast food is my, my pre-race thing. Um, but you can get that just about anywhere that you go. So hope all that helps Hilda. Um, and, and it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, next question comes from Ann who asks, uh, how much of an impact do you think weight has on performance, especially in longer races? And how do you calculate your best race day weight? Um, Ooh, this is, this is one of those loaded subjects, um, that, uh, I, I'm going to steer not clear of, but I'm going to tread very lightly upon, um, how much of an impact do you think race weight has? I think it has an impact if we're talking about huge swing, not huge, huge relative, but we're talking about big swings of weight. Um, meaning, you know, my weight, and I'm just going to talk about myself, but I'm going to assume that most everybody here, um, probably can relate to this. My weight fluctuates every day, a few pounds up or down. So it's just natural, natural part of being a human. I, I have never noticed any type of correlation between my effort or my pace on days when I'm a few pounds up or when I'm a few pounds down or when I'm right where I normally would be, um, as far as my weight goes. So, um, you know, how much of an impact does a few pounds matter one way or the other? Probably not that much. Does it have an impact? Sure. It probably does a little bit. I mean, you know, if, if you're, if you're five or 10 pounds heavier than you were on your last race, you know, you're carrying, a bit more weight and, and your every step you're pounding just a little bit harder. Um, even if you don't feel like it, you know, the, the, the force that is generated by being heavier, it, it, it pounds a little bit more. So it could, you know, maybe a few seconds here or there, you know, for, especially for the longer type of races. Um, but instead of, instead of focusing on, I need to get to X weight on race day to, to run my best. Um, I would just focus more on, and, and I would encourage anybody to focus more on less on the number on the scale and more on what you're doing. How's your training going? Um, are you being consistent? You know, as, as you're getting closer to race day tapering, you know, eating well, making sure that you're eating, eating healthy foods, the, 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 you know, plenty of fruits and vegetables and, and, you know, non-processed junk, um, uh, but actually good stuff, um, or avoid the processed junk, eat the, eat the non-processed things that the good, the good healthy stuff, um, and get plenty of rest, plenty of sleep. And, and if you do those things, if you're taking care of yourself, staying well hydrated, um, her, her weight tends to, to find its, its, its spot. You know, it, it takes care of itself. Um, uh, but, but you know, you can run the risk if you're focused on the number and, and, you, oh, I got to lose three more pounds. So you maybe go into the race dehydrated so you can be at your proper race weight or under fueled from the get go because you're, you're trying to, to, you know, make sure that you cut a few pounds so that you can be in your ideal situation. So, um, I would worry less about the number and more about just, just making healthy, good, smart choices. Um, and, and trusting that that's going to get you into your best, the best place for race day, uh, when it turn when it comes to, to the, the, uh, number. So definitely no formula, definitely no way to calculate it. That's, that's too one size fits all for me. Um, everybody's going to be different. Um, and, and again, just be smart, make, make good, smart, healthy choices. Um, and, and that's going to do more for you than, than stressing about what the number on the scale says as you're leading up to your race. So hopefully all that, that helps Ann and makes a little bit of sense as well. Uh, next question coming from Monica says, what is the best way for a runner to get fit? So a uh, question on that, Monica, it, it, you know, which, which is terrible for me to ask you this now, because there's no way for you to get back to me until next month, but I'm going to answer it in two different ways based on what I think are the two possible ways that you could mean get fit. So if you're talking about running fitness, just improving your, your fitness as a runner, um, I'm uh, pretty much buying into the, the slow, the slow and easy most of the time, the vast, vast, vast majority of the time. So, you know, getting a heart rate, heart rate monitor, 
figuring out what your what your maximum aerobic heart rate is, which uh, according to the Maffetone way of thinking, which is what I'm studying a lot right now, the the easiest formula is to just go 180 minus your age. So you know you, you take you take your number, you take your age, you 180, subtract your your age, whatever that number is. That's the maximum level of of exertion that you should be doing at, when you're running to, to build your aerobic fitness to, to build your your running fitness um, so you never want to exceed that at least you very 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 rarely do and when you're first new to it and especially if, if that seems like it's ridiculously slow you need to commit to it for a, a period of, of at least a couple of months if not even longer than that until you really get comfortable running at that easy pace and what that does is that really elevates your floor of fitness it may not it may not feel like and intuitively you may not see that it's going to make you get a whole lot faster or be a, become a whole lot more fit because you're working at a, such a quote unquote easy level but what happens is if you know just picking numbers completely random out of the hat but say you start out and the, the best you can do is 12 minute pace to maintain your your maximum aerobic fitness level your maximum you know to stay under your maximum uh heart rate number. And you, you train at that, at that heart rate level for a few weeks. And now all of a sudden you're running 1130 at that, at that same pace or at that same level of effort. And then a few weeks later, you're, you're under 11 minutes. And then a few months later, you're under 10 minutes. And, and it just, you know, eventually, uh, obviously it's going to, it's going to kind of level out, but, um, you start to get faster by maintaining the same level of effort that's the key to getting faster. And in my opinion, that's the key to becoming more fit as a runner. So nice and slow, nice and easy. Most of the time, once you get comfortable with that, then you mix in a few hard workouts here and there, you know, blast it with some speed workouts or, you know, intervals, tempo run something, but the vast majority of your miles should be easy because that's building your, your aerobic fitness. Now, if you're looking for just general fitness overall, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, looking at, at just, just general fitness, then, then you start to bring in, um, you know, more of more of um, eating well, lifting some weights once in a while. Regular strength training is a good thing. Getting enough sleep, staying hydrated. Um, you know, just kind of general life fitness, d- doing all of those things. But I'm assuming your question was more towards running fitness, so that's where I spent the bulk of the answer. But if not, you know, just just making good heart, good, sound, healthy choices. Um, you know, with strength training, foam rolling, yoga, all, all of those things are going to, are going to help. Um, it's going to help you be, be a more fit runner as well, but that's kind of more general fitness than, than specific to running, running my thoughts, my, my uh, position right now, as I continue to learn more and, and constantly always trying to, to learn, um, the, the heart rate training is the jam is it's, it's the way to go. Um, so hope, hope that makes sense for you there, Monica. Um, next question comes from Matthew, but before we want to get to that, just want to uh, plug uh, health IQ one more time for today. Um, once again, guys, healthiq.com slash Diz runs. I, I know talking about death and the need for life insurance is not, not fun. <laughs> it's not something that, uh, that, that any of us ever want to talk about or think about, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it is a, a fact of life. And, uh, you know, if you've got others that depend on you, family, uh, children, spouse, whatever the case might be, um, you know, it, it can be worth a peace of mind to know that, you know, if, if something were to happen to you when you're out on a run or when you're commuting or, or whatever, um, you know, that, that they're going to have some, some, uh, some cash on hand to take care of, of the needs that uh, are going to be, uh, you know, that, that they're going to have to face in the future. So, uh, if, if you need to do something like that and, and check out your life insurance situation as runners, you're going to get the best rates from health IQ. So check them out healthiq.com slash disruns. Um, or, or if you talk to an agent, just let them know that you heard about it here on Diz runs radio. Um, and, and, uh, we will, 
We'll uh, keep reminding of you, keep reminding you of the need for it every so often. But thanks to Health IQ for sponsoring today's episode. So, Matthew, your question: uh, What would the perfect week's schedule look like for strength training, stretching, balance, core work, running, and, and all of all of the things? Um, you know, again, this kind of ties into to some other questions from from earlier today, where I got, kind of mentioned the, the whole one size fits all type of thing. Um, you know, I, I think that the perfect schedule is going to look different for every person. It's going to depend on on where you are as far as what your fitness level is, how long you've been running, are we dealing with any injuries, how much time do you have? You know, we can we can have the the perfect. You know, I want to run this many days and do this and do that and do this and do that. But if you've got life demands, if you've got work and family and commutes and and all of these things that are getting in the way, well, then who cares what the perfect schedule looks like? Let's, let's look at what real life looks like and try to figure it out. So um, I, I don't mean to be dodging your question, and I'll give you an answer for, for what my perfect week would look like, um, but it, it is it is definitely one of those things where there, there is no... There is no perfect week schedule. You, you always have to do the best you can. Now, in, in my perfect world, my, my pipe dream world, um, I would have four to five days per week of, of running, um, pretty much all easy. You know, one long day, maybe once every couple, three weeks, do a, do a speed day, but, but pretty much all easy training. Um, you know, a couple days of strength training where after a run, I do, do a good, um, you know, a good 15 to 20 minute strength workout targeting some, some, uh, you know, glutes and, and hips and upper body a little bit, some push ups, pull ups, things like that. Certainly some leg work, um, you know, and some core work too. I, I would just mix my core work in with my strength training for the most part. Um, you know, do, do, do uh, yoga a couple, three times a week would be great. Uh, you know, I'm pretty consistent with doing it once a week, but boy, I would love to add a second day, maybe even a third day with, with three good yoga training days. That would be amazing. Um, you know, and, and maybe some daily stretching and foam rolling just, you know, a little bit in the evenings while I'm watching TV. Um, and then plenty of sleep. I mean, that would be my ideal training week. It doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, I get, I get four to five days of running most, most weeks. I get a couple days of strength training most weeks. Um, I get one day of yoga most weeks. Uh, that's, that's somewhere where I could work on improving. Um, sporadic on the foam rolling, sporadic on the stretching. Um, mostly okay with sleep, but I could probably use a little bit more. So I've got work to do, um, but that would be my ideal week. Um, but again, it's, that's going to be different for everybody. If somebody's new to the sport running two or three days a week is probably the, the ideal amount right now as their body continues to adapt and adjust. And, and you know, it's, 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 you know, somebody's coming back from an injury or somebody's training for a race. There's so many variables that go into the, the question that it's hard to, to pin. It's impossible to pin down exactly what the ideal training week would look like. But, um, you know, to each their own, you got to figure it out, trial and error, figure out what works best for you. Um, but that is what I think would be my ideal situation. Um, and again, ideal means, uh, kind of living in a fantasy world. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily happen, but that would be, you know, I'd be, I'd be a happy camper if it did. Um, thank you for the question though, Matthew, and, uh, glad you're feeling better. Glad, uh, glad we're getting back, getting back on the wagon and, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's keep taking care of that kneeing and getting you, getting you back on track. Um, Gene, has got a good question. Um, although it's, it's probably an impossible question to really answer succinctly, at least it says, is intermittent fasting healthy? Uh, like I alluded to earlier, I, I do intermittent fasting, so I don't think that it's unhealthy. Um, but I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of trains of thought based in, in science that there's plenty of evidence that shows that intermittent fasting is great. And it's, it's maybe the healthier option, but there's plenty of options and plenty of, of studies and plenty of, of experts and plenty of, of scientists and, and, everything that says that, you know, eating every two to three hours is, is healthy. Um, 
I think that, that instead of focusing so much on what times of day you eat or how often you eat or how many meals you eat, um, I think that if we're looking at dietary health, the better choice is what are we eating? You know, are we eating healthy things? Are we eating too many processed processed foods, too many refined grains and sugars and things like that? I, I think that, um, you know, the more sugar we can get out of our diet, whether we're eating just once a day, whether you're eating just in a, in a four to five hour window, which is what I typically do, whether you're eating in an eight hour window, 12 hour window, whether you eat breakfast the, the immediately when you first wake up and you have a, a little something right before you go to bed and you're eating a whole bunch in between, what are we eating? I think is more important and more, um, something that would be better to focus on as opposed to exactly what style of, you know, eating plans do you do? You know, I, I, um, go with the, the intermittent fasting thing because I've seen some research and, um, some studies and whatnot that, that link that, uh, you know, too much inflammation, um, is really bad for our bodies and can lead to kind of Alzheimer's disease, which I have a, a very strong family history of. And so I'm willing to do whatever I can to try to avoid that. And if that means that I don't eat breakfast until somewhere in the afternoon, usually around three, um, if that can help me keep my, my brain strong, Hey, I'm all for it because, because there is pretty universally accepted that, that the digestion process is an inflammatory process, but it's, it's a necessary process. No, no question. But, uh, so, so my thought is if I can, if I can shut, you know, shrink my window of, of eating during the day, if that helps me to avoid Alzheimer's down the road, one less thing for Rebecca to have to worry about when I'm an old crotchety grumpy old man, um, that would probably be a good thing. So, um, and if I can, you know, remember my family when I'm old, that would be important too. Cause like I said, I've been on the other side. I've seen, I've seen grandparents that, uh, have struggled with it and whew, that is, that is the worst. So I'm, I'm on the intermittent fasting train basically because, uh, you know, hopefully hopeful that that's going to help reduce my risk of Alzheimer's down, down the road. Um, I don't think it's unhealthy, but I don't think that I'm not going to claim that eating every two to three hours is unhealthy either. Cause I don't think that's, I, I think that again, that's missing the point. What you're eating is more important to your health than what times of day you're eating it. So hope all that makes sense, Gene. And, and if you, if you have more specific questions on intermittent fasting, please let me know. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be an expert, but, uh, I'll, I'll share with you some of my, some of my experiences and, and kind of how, how it works for me. And, and, and you know, if that's helpful to you, great. And if not, no big deal. Uh, Trevor, a uh, couple questions left. Trevor's question would love some input on strength training exercises and a video to show how to do them properly. I go to the gym twice a week, but think I should do more exercises that would be running specific. Also a good pre-run, uh, uh, pre, let me read this here. Also a good pre warm up run video. Um, so Trevor, I, I've got you covered, bro. Uh, you just got to head over to the website. Um, and, and I actually even linked some things up in the show notes for today. Dizruns.com slash five, three, seven. Um, you know, I've got, I've done, I've done, I don't know how many, six or eight or 10 different videos, uh, in the past demonstrating strength training exercises, strength training routines that are great for runners. Um, feel free to check those out, download them, whatever. Uh, there's, there's a, a another PDF that, that I linked in there as well that, uh, um, that, um, has the, uh, what I call five of the most overlooked strength training exercises for runners. So things that don't make the list most of the time, um, as far as, you know, if you look at runner's world or whatever, uh, they don't, they don't make the list of, of exercises to do, but boy, they are effective. So you can check that out as well. So there's all kinds of resources there. Um, and then when it comes to the warmups, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've had, um, Carly and Christy from, 
uh, Wahoo running on recently. They, they talked about doing a, a band warm up that I've tried and is, is pretty darn good. It gets the, gets the glutes activated as, as a good, um, pre-run kind of, you know, takes two or three minutes to do, go through this series of exercises that get your hips and glutes engaged and ready to go. Um, I talked to Jay Johnson a while back, um, maybe before Christmas sometime, maybe November. Um, and, and we talked about the lunge matrix and doing some leg swings. Those work great. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan, fan of the, the band workouts from, from the, the ladies over at Wahoo. Um, so there's, those those resources are available. Uh, they're on, they're on the website. If you look up, uh, coach Jay Johnson's interview, look up, uh, Carly Dobbs interview. Um, they're there, they're there. And the, the links are there to videos and all that kind of good stuff. I didn't try to recreate the wheel on anything. Um, and I'm not trying to take credit for, for the things that they've created. Uh, they are good pre warm up exercises. So check that stuff out. I don't have show or show, uh, numbers for them, but if you just go to disruns.com and search Jay Johnson and search Carly Daub, D A U B, um, you'll be all set. So hope that helps Trevor. Um, and let me know if you have any other questions when it comes to the strength training bit, because it's definitely, definitely important and definitely want to make sure you're addressing some of those needs that we have as runners along with just general, I mean, it's, it's great that you're going to the gym and doing general body strengthening. That stuff's important as well, but definitely, you know, if you're going to continue to be a runner, um, definitely want to make sure you're hitting some of the runner, runner muscles and runner weak links as well. Um, two questions left. So we are definitely going to be, I, I promise I'm not going to ramble on for 30 minutes here. So we are going to be well under the hour mark today. Um, question from Dan, do you suggest rotating between different pairs of running shoes? If so, how often would you suggest rotating your shoes? Um, yes, ish. Um, the, the big reason to rotate your shoes, Dan, is that if you have, um, shoes that have a decent amount of cushion to them and you're running in them every single day, that cushion gets compressed down when we're running and it doesn't have ample time to release, to re-expand, to, um, provide the same amount of shock absorption benefits, um, today as it did yesterday, because that, that cushioning, that padding is still compressed. Um, and the, the more you, you know, the long, the older the shoes are, the more miles on them, the more compressed it gets, the less bounce back that those, um, uh, that that cushioning provides. So if, if you're running every day and you've got cushioned shoes, yeah, it's probably a good idea to have a couple, three pairs and rotate them out at least every other day, if not every third day, something like that, just so that, you know, that a, so that you get the, the full shock absorption, um, capacity for it and B it's going to extend the life of your shoes just a little bit as well, because they're going to give, give them a little bit of break. They're going to allow that, that cushioning to bounce back and kind of reset before you wear it again. If you're, if you're running every couple of days, probably less important. If you're wearing shoes that have a more minimal amount of cushioning, which is kind of my, my preferred method. Um, also probably not as important because there's nothing really to be compressed down. If there's nothing to compress, there's no reason that you can't wear the shoes day after day because, because why there's nothing to bounce back. Right? So, um, you know, general rule, rule of thumb. Yeah. Probably a good idea to rotate shoes. You know, every, every, every time you run ish, um, which means if you have two pairs of shoes, you one and one and one and one, um, you know, is, is fine, but in, in some cases not necessary and, and really in all cases, not necessary. But, uh, you know, if, if you have room in the budget, if you have two pairs of shoes, yeah, not, not a bad idea. Um, you know, and, and that way you always have, you know, if, if something happens, if, if when, when one shoe it's time to retire them, you've already got another shoe that, that feels pretty good. It's broken in, it's ready to go. Not that we need a big long break in process with shoes these days. Most of them come pretty, pretty well ready to go. But it's nice to just know that you've got a shoe that, that you're comfortable in when you're breaking in or when you're trying the, the next new pairs of shoes as well. So um, lots of lots of small reasons to, to consider rotating, but nothing that I would say is ironclad. Yes, you should. Like, eh, not a bad idea, 
but it's not the end of the world if you don't. Um, and the last question is another shoe question from uh, Suzanne. How many miles should I put on my ultras before replacing them? Um, again, uh, I, you know, kind of like with Ann's question with looking at the weight and looking at, at your, your numbers on the scale. Um, I'm less worried about you know, when it comes to, to miles, I'm less worried about the number and more worried about how you're feeling. So, um, you know, Suzanne, with your question, how many miles, like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I've had, I've had almost every pair of my ultras have gone well over 500 miles. I've had some that have gone seven to 800 miles before I needed to replace them. Um, and I wasn't worried about the number. I was worried about how my body was feeling. So you start to notice that, uh, maybe the knees start to be a little bit achy, a little bit more sore. Maybe your feet start to be a little bit more sore. Um, you know, you just do a, a an easy run, something that you've done hundreds of times and it's never bothered you. And all of a sudden, God, like, yeah, man, something's, something's not, Something's a little sore after, I mean, all I did yesterday was run, run a few miles and I did some time like, man, why? Hey, bingo, light bulb comes on. Maybe it's time to check your shoes. You know, you start getting some, some achiness, some soreness in your hips, your knees, your ankles, um, you know, your, your muscles, your feet, whatever that isn't normally there. That's probably a sign that your shoes are, are breaking down to the point that it's probably a good idea to, uh, to replace them. Um, you know, and then to piggyback off a of dance question, maybe you already have, you know, maybe you rotate in two or three pairs of shoes anyway, and it's always after the run in one particular pair of shoes that you notice you're aching and you're sore. And then that's, oh, well, hey, this pair of shoes is time to replace that one. Um, thanks. Thankfully, I've got another pair or two that I can wear right now while I'm, while I'm getting my new pair while I, when, you know, when, I, when I head to the store or order them online, whatever. Um, and then I'll, I'll be able to add that one back into the rotation again. But listen to your body. Worry more about how your body's feeling. Um, and, and obviously, you don't want to wait until it's, it's so bad that there's a serious injury. But you just start to notice that you're a little bit more stiff, a little bit more sore. That's probably a good idea. If, if you know your shoes are old or getting a little bit long in the tooth, that's probably a good idea that, it, hey, maybe maybe it's time to switch these up, uh, get something new, get something fresh, and see if that doesn't solve the problem. And in most cases, it will. You get those new pair of shoes, one or two runs, and all of a sudden, that soreness, that achiness has gone away. And bingo, bango. We know what the problem was. So hope, hope that helps Suzanne and, and hope that helps everybody. Thank you all for the questions. That is it for today. We are under 35 minutes. Would you look at that? That doesn't happen around these parts very often for a quick tip or a, well, for a quick tip, shoot, quick tips are struggle to be under 35 minutes sometimes these days, but definitely for the Q and A's, uh, but good, good, good batch of questions today. And, um, I don't remember if I mentioned this at the beginning, but if you're new to the show, uh, obviously thanks for, for joining us and, and the way to get your questions answered on the show and, and I do one of these episodes every month at the end of every month, we, we throw one of these out there. Um, the, the way to get your questions answered on the show, the best way is to head over and join our Facebook group. Uh, and you can do that just by going to disruns.com slash Facebook and it'll redirect you right there to the group. You click the, uh, the button. Hey, can will you let me in? Yep. We'll let you in. We, we operate under the, under the, uh, assumption that you're going to be a, a, a good person. And if you prove otherwise, then we'll just kick you out, but we don't make you jump through any hoops. Just, uh, you know, I want to join the group. Boom. Here we go. Um, and then, uh, you know, knock yourself out. We have a whole, whole lot of fun. There's posting every day. People, people are cracking jokes and having a good time. Um, and then somewhere in the middle of each month, I put up a post that says, Hey, what are your, um, what are your questions? What do you want me to talk about in this month's Q and a episode? Uh, everybody chimes in with their answers. Um, some months we have a whole bunch. Some we've had 20 before and, and this month only about nine or 10, but, uh, you know, it just depends on the month. It depends what's on, on everybody's mind, but that is the best way to get your questions included into future episodes of the show. So um, if you haven't done so already, disruns.com slash Facebook, or you can just search uh, the Disruns Tribe on the Facebooks and uh, join the group. Come hang out, have a little fun, troll me. Uh, I always love always love getting uh, 
getting my balls busted by everybody in the group. So so bring it on. Bring what you got, but know that I'm going to bring it back at you if you bring it at me too hard. So um, anyway, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Thanks again to Health IQ. Don't forget, healthiq.com slash dizruns uh, to get uh, the best rates you can find when it comes to life insurance. So um, that's it for today. Thanks for the, the questions. Hopefully the answers were uh, moderately helpful, maybe even more than moderately helpful. Um, and until next time, please be well. Take care. Thanks for the questions. Appreciate y'all. And uh, we'll talk soon. See you guys.